Welcome to First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis, the birthplace of Congregational Humanism. We carry on that tradition of free thought today, dedicated to promoting a free search for truth, meaning, and justice. Our web address is firstunitarian.org. I'm David Breeden, Senior Minister. Welcome. It may not surprise you to learn that I do not use a lot of shampoo. But I do use some shampoo, and so whenever I'm staying in a hotel, I always check out those little bottles of toiletries to see what's available. Because I am not a regular shampoo shopper, I'm often amazed at what these products claim to do. Calming, energizing, relaxing, uplifting, invigorating, Anyone just hoping to have cleaner hair is offered extravagant promises regarding their emotional state. Or maybe these products are better thought of as, as the sudsy equivalent of uppers and downers. As an evidence-based person, I am fascinated by these claims. I would love to hear that the shampoo companies conducted double-blind studies before creating such breathless labeling. Just imagine some subjects would shower with the calming shampoo while others would use the invigorating shampoo. Experts would then analyze each, each participant's energy level and mood, perhaps by having them run around a track or take care of a room full of toddlers. But I am almost positive that such research does not take place. More likely, marketing departments makes, make lists of words with positive associations and test them out on panels of consumers. The shampoos are then sent out into the world to sell themselves on virtues unproven and to be purchased by consumers and hotel chains lured by the idea of self-care in a bottle. Our assembly theme this month at the First Unitarian Society of Minneapolis is Living with Intention. And this morning I want to talk about the idea of intentionally taking care of yourself. And I want to look at some of the current thinking around self-care a concept that has its own upsides and downsides. And shampoo is in some ways the perfect symbol for the consumer culture approach to self-care in 2022 America. First, the claims of shampoo or of soaps or candles or tea or any number of products, these claims underscore the idea that self-care is something you buy. This approach is an extension of the childhood stories many of us were taught about magic potions, potions with the power of transformation. If you can just acquire the right formula, everything will be better. For some folks, that way of thinking continues right into adulthood, with the belief that the best way to feel better can be found in bottles of various sizes. The message is consistent. To help yourself, be a consumer. A second point worth noting is that in places like the UK, it can be a violation of advertising regulations to make claims that can't be substantiated. It's less of a free-for-all over there, so if you want to sell an allegedly mood-changing shampoo in Liverpool, you might be asked to prove that it can do what you say. A third point is that the shampoo-slash-consumer approach to self-care addresses only symptoms, not underlying problems. If your life is so stressful that you need daily calming, 
Or if you are so sapped of energy that you need daily invigorating, there are probably some bigger issues to examine. A fourth idea, and this one is related to the third, is that the shampoo approach reinforces that your care is something you deal with on your own, because you are on your own. Self-care becomes more necessary when there's a lack of community care. The most greedy and selfish among us would rather sell us a dubious remedy than, for example, pay higher taxes for systemic changes that would make lives better overall. Self-care is, of course, important, but wouldn't it be nice if the world made self-care less necessary? I realize that's some extreme dreaming right now in the face of all we've seen about human nature of late. We're nearing the two-year mark of large numbers of people not caring enough about others' lives to simply wear a mask. But we have seen some glimmers of hope for greater community care at the policy level. The child tax credit, for example, improved the lives of millions of families while it was in effect. And there are at least serious discussions in Washington taking place about expanding access to affordable childcare even though there hasn't been immediate success. And there are inklings of reform in terms of how mental health crisis calls are handled, with a shift away from armed officers and toward an ethic of care. Even with these glimmers of hope, there's still a pervasive sense that we're not all in this together and are largely on our own. This is a pattern to keep an eye on because it affects our relationships with the world and with ourselves. Individual actions are one way that each of us lives out our most cherished values, and our choices are part of what makes us human. But a focus on individual action is sometimes a mean, means for shifting away from collective responsibility, a washing of hands by the powerful when it comes to care for our fellow humans. Putting more weight on individual actions distracts from the role that larger forces and systems play in determining the common good. The pandemic, of course, is a prime example of this. Leaving masking and vaccines to, indivi to individual choice is like leaving indoor smoking to individual choice. Everyone is negatively affected by the actions of even a few. And when it comes to climate change, the biggest polluters have worked to manipulate those of us who live with intention. They try to get us to focus too much on individual choice. Case in point, your carbon footprint. The idea of calculating your personal carbon footprint came not from environmental groups, but rather from BP, the colossal oil company. Shifting the focus away from the practices of oil producers and onto your individual choices was a huge propaganda win for the petroleum industry. Now, recycling your plastic bottles and reducing your automobile travel are, of course, good things but their choice is made within the limits of a global economy based on fossil fuel consumption. The idea of a personal carbon footprint shifts the responsibility, shifts the blame onto our small individual lives and lets corporations and systems go on as they are. So what are some antidotes to the idea that everything is on our shoulders? The idea that we as individuals are responsible not only for our own care, but for the entire planet. One timeless answer is, of course, to vote, which I think is something nearly everyone in our congregational community does regularly.
Voting never makes everything better, but it can help keep things from getting worse, particularly on climate issues. And given recent actions to curtail democracy, you may want to add helping others to vote to your to-do list for 2022. It's still easy to vote here in Minnesota, but it's getting much more difficult in states around the country. So any dollars and time you have to give to such efforts could help save our democracy. Another antidote to all these messages of go it alone is community. Our late capitalist society is structured for isolation. Single family homes, generationally segregated neighborhoods, solo commutes and single occupant cars. And of course, the pandemic has magnified and added to these trends with increased working from home and two years worth of cancellations of the kinds of events that bring people together in community. When this current surge subsides, you may want to be very intentional about getting yourself back, to, back into community, like this one, and strengthening your relationships during whatever windows of opportunity arise. And of course, there, are, there continue to be options for online connection. I recommend choosing ones where you get to be a participant rather than just a member of an audience, a person rather than a consumer. Choose to be seen and heard rather than just a viewer and listener. And one more thought on all this, whenever you get to make intentional choices about self-care, consider choosing experience over product. Choose to go deeper. Relaxing tea is weak tea compared to real-time care of your fellow human beings. Such care can be found in things like the upcoming sessions guided by humanist chaplain Vesa Buil. So as we focus on intention this month, let's look beyond what's on the labels and always remember that you don't have to go it alone. Thanks for listening. You can find much more about humanism and what's happening at First Unitarian Society in Minneapolis by visiting our website at firstunitarian.org.